From Upstate Medical University, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. Upstate has a new chest surgeon who specializes in minimally invasive and robotic thoracic surgery. So we've asked Dr. Mark Cry to talk with us about the work he does. Thanks for stopping by. Thanks for having me, Amber. I appreciate it. So when I looked on your physician profile on the upstate.edu website, there's there's lots of things listed under the diseases and conditions treated, and it wasn't just lung diseases. So um, what, what does thoracic encompass? Sure. So thoracic really encompasses a broad spectrum of diseases, uh, both benign and malignancy or cancers uh, associated within the chest cavity. It really covers everything. Uh, in the chest outside of uh, open heart surgery. So there's lung, uh, there's esophagus, um, there's airway, um, any diseases, again, benign or cancerous. We treat um, an area of the chest called the mediastinum, which kind of sits beneath the breastbone um, all the way back to the spine. And there can be a lot of different um, cancers or non-cancerous lesions that show up there that we operate on, as well as uh, going down into the abdomen and uh, working on um, hiatal hernias uh, and when we have to do esophagectomies or removal of the esophagus for cancer or other conditions where we have to remove the esophagus, we have to reroute the plumbing, so to speak, and manipulate and and form a a new conduit either from the colon or from the stomach more commonly. Um, So it's a very broad spectrum and and a wide variety of of operations. So everything from neck to abdomen. Pretty much, yeah, exactly. So um, let's talk about robotic surgery and how it's used Mm. in in this field. Sure, so uh, robotic surgery is a, a... uh, relatively new and cutting-edge technology. It's been around for uh, around 2000 is when the first cases of the first robotic surgery uh, that as we know it today, the initial robots were uh, utilized back in even as early as the 80s. Um, and they were kind of developed um, through the Department of Defense to try and with the mindset of having uh, the ability to operate on astronauts when they're mm-hmm. in space. So the surgeon could be on Earth and on the ground and and need be and it didn't really pan out that way but um, as with a lot of things they're able to use the technology from the Department of Defense and apply it towards the civilian life and so um, it's really uh, developed and in, in blossoming especially in the field of thoracic surgery where um, a long time ago the well in, even today but more frequently um, the incisions that we would have to make involved a big uh, what's called thoracotomy or a, a incision several inches long uh, along the rib space and you'd have to open and spread the ribs and it caused a lot of pain and discomfort and um, and the recovery from that is substantial substantially too, right? longer you know weeks to months um, whereas now we're able to uh, do some of those same operations with incisions that are uh, about a centimeter big about four incisions that are about a centimeter big and one that's a little bit bigger and do the same type of operations. We, you know, we still do have to use a bigger incision sometimes for certain uh, operations, but uh, a vast majority of them are now more minimally invasive. And the word robotic, I mean, just so people don't have a vision of a robot doing the surgery, um, it's just a tech a t- tool, sort it, of. It, it is, yeah. So it's a it's a platform where um, it's uh, uh, where instruments uh, ports are inserted, uh, similar to our, our VATS procedures or video assisted thoracoscopic procedures. A lot of people know it uh, comparable to like a laparoscopic gallbladder removal or something along those lines. Uh, and, though, that, and that's been around for a while. That's right. been around for a long time, exactly. Um, and so VATS was really adopted and, and became mainstream in the thoracic field 
uh, in the 90s. And so, uh, and it's continued to be utilized today. Although when you look at worldwide, a vast majority of the operations on the in for lung surgery especially, they're still done open. And so it still hasn't caught on everywhere. Um, but these smaller incisions really speed the ability to recover, uh, to get out of the hospital sooner, um, and to uh, really get back to uh, normal life, so to speak, um, much quicker than uh, the big open incisions. Now, like from a technical standpoint, from the surgeon's point of view, is it a more difficult surgery when it's you know, laparoscopic or robotic versus open? It, it can be more technically challenging. Um, and that's the difficult, and that's the, one of the big differences between VATS and robotic is um, because with a, a VATS or a thoracoscopic approach, you're looking at a screen and it's in two dimensions and the instruments are uh, on long sticks, so to speak, with some, you know, type of grasping device or cutting device at the end. And so uh, there is a lot more technical um, challenges from that standpoint, doing it through those small incisions with, um, you know, you kind of have to train your brain and how your hands have to move in order to get things done. Whereas robotically, um, the visualization is three-dimensional. Uh, so it's kind of the difference between when you go to the movies, watching a regular movie and watching a 3D movie. Uh, you can see the, the depth and depth perception is, is drastically different uh, robotically versus uh, bats. The magnification is improved, so the optics are improved. So you can see, so better. You can see better. And the wrist, the instruments are wristed, so they have the seven degrees of motion that our upper extremities do. Uh, and so the, the things we're able to do robotically mimic more what you can do as an op for an open operation. And so it really has expanded the types of procedures and the complexity of the procedures that we can do minimally invasively versus what a majority of people would be able to do thoracoscopically. Now, you know, the world-renowned experts in the field VATS can probably do anything, but it's not everyone can see the world-renowned expert in, in VATS. And so um, robotic surgery allows us to really push the envelope into the complexity of things that we can do, whereas um, even still today, people who don't do robotic surgery would be more apt to do that as an open thoracotomy operation. Now, when you're doing it robotically, does it feel like a video game? Um, it, I guess uh, all those uh, hours I wasted in my <laughs> I used in my early years to uh, uh, play video games were, were, were not a complete loss. Because um, you're, you're, you've got uh, the hand... You are. So you're sitting at a console away from the patient, and that's one of the things that... Um, especially some of the older surgeons have a tough time doing because you're not right there at the patient. The, the robot is on a platform that's brought in, the arms are docked and the instruments are inserted in there. And then the surgeon actually sits uh, a, a few feet away from the patient at a console. And so you're using the controls and visualizing through excellent visualization, sometimes even better than you can get with a big open operation because you're right there close up um, and using the controls. And so, um, you know, we don't take it lightly like it's a video game, but there is um, some of that hand-eye coordination that, um, you know, you, you develop. Uh, if right. You were, no, there's you definitely know, a finesse to it. If, the, oh, yeah. for sure. For sure. <laughs> so now what is the typical type of um, thoracic surgery that you would do robotically? Um, a lot of what I do, what, uh, what I do here at Upstate is uh, robotic lung surgery. So um, the gold standard for lung cancer is a lobectomy. Uh, which is uh, removal of one of the lobes of the lung. 
Um, on the right side, you have three lobes, and on the left side, you have two lobes. And so if you have a cancerous lesion in one of those lobes, the gold standard is to remove that whole lobe. The whole lobe. The whole lobe. Um, what we're finding now is that smaller cancers that are further out in the lung towards the periphery maybe don't need the whole lobe to have as good of a cancer operation, and they can have what's called a segment. So each one of those lobes is made up of an individual segment, which has its own artery and vein and airway. And so if we can go in and divide those artery, vein, and airway and remove that segment with our special staplers, they get just about as good of a cancer operation, and also you're able to spare some of their lung function. And that's uh, robotic surgery has really helped us be able to develop that and implement that more often because it's because you're having to dissect out and divide even smaller vessels and airways, it becomes more challenging. It uh, can still be done thoracoscopically. It can be done open, but uh, it, it, the robot really is suited to do that because of the very precise and fine dissection that you, you utilize. Neat. Um, this is Upstate's HealthLink on Air. I'm your host, Amber Smith, talking with Upstate thora- thoracic surgeon, Dr. Mark Cry, about minimally invasive robotic chest surgery. Mm-hmm. So th- the lungs are considered a solid organ, right? Correct. So um, are they full of air like a balloon? Like when you cut into them, do they deflate? It's or more like, like a sponge. More like They're a kind sponge. of like a wet sponge. And so it's um, the uh, how we operate when we operate on the lungs... Uh, the breathing tube that is put in by anesthesia when the patient goes to sleep, it's a special breathing tube. It actually has two lumens. And so we're able to collapse the lung we're working on and also keep inflating and breathing through the, through the other. other lung. Oh. And so by collapsing that lung down, it makes it easier to work with, uh, easier to dissect and staple and those kind of things. And then at the end of the operation, breathe in both lungs and, and expand the lung that we were working on. And it comes right back to comes the right back up. So um, you mentioned the the tiny incisions. If you're going to mm-hmm. take out a lobe, the lobe's pretty. A lobe of a lung is pretty big. It, How does it, it fit out? It is. So that's why the fifth incision tends to be a little bit bigger, just mm-hmm. solely to remove it. And um, that comes along with you know when we start thinking about when when people first start doing robotic surgery, they try and limit the size of the tumor that they would do through a minimally invasive approach. And as you get more facile in it, you can kind of push that envelope. But, you know, it comes down to the physics of you have to get the tumor out of the chest and the only way is through that incision. So um, that that's kind of where the the big issue comes with having to enlarge one of those, which is uh, sometimes frustrating because you do this great operation through all these small incisions and then you have to make one uh, a little bit bigger. And uh, but people do really well with it. But still way smaller than what you still would Still way smaller than what you would yeah. with a thoracotomy, absolutely. So which patients, well, and which patients are candidates for robotic? It kind of depends on the tumor size. It, right? it does. Or- so it depends on the tumor size, um, the location of the tumor. So tumors that are uh, closer towards the hilum or where the blood vessels start and where they come out of the heart and oh, okay. enter into the lung, um, those tend to be a little bit higher risk of um, things like bleeding and complications. Uh, but again, the more experience you have robotically, the more likely you are to try doing those through a robotic approach, at least to start. And if you have to convert to an open approach, that's perfectly okay. You want to make sure you're doing a good cancer operation and doing a good safe operation. As long as you can do those two principles through a minimally invasive approach, fantastic. That's the way we do it. If either one of those two principles is 
risk being compromised, then you do an open incision and, and make a bigger uh, incision. But um, I think that's one of the big benefits of the robot is those types of operations are uh, people have been less likely to want to do thoracoscopically. Bigger tumors, more centrally located, uh, whereas now, um, you know, with the robotic approach, we're able to really kind of push that envelope. And everybody on the team is is skilled in doing either. Absolutely. Yeah, thing, so. absolutely. So um, what about outcomes in terms of comparing the opens sure. with the robotics? So the, the, the good thing is that uh, when you look at the cancer data, and because robotic uh, thoracic surgery is still relatively new and in its infancy, we don't have the long-term 10 and 20-year data that we do with uh, some of the other approaches. But um, what we see in uh, at least the data we have now shows that it's equivalent from a cancer operation standpoint to the big open operations. The big benefit we find is that patients get out of the hospital substantially sooner, talking days sooner. Uh, they need their chest tube less, um, less frequent or you know shorter duration of chest tube. Uh, their post-operative pain is substantially improved. They return to their normal activities sooner and less blood loss. So all very key all positive aspects to you know a good operation. So you went to medical school here at Upstate, and then you did eight years of general and thoracic surgery in Allegheny General Hospital in Pennsylvania. Correct. Um, how did you know you wanted to become a surgeon, and how did you choose thoracic surgery? Um, yeah, I wasn't one of these people who was you know born and knew from day one that I wanted to be a surgeon. I actually, uh, when I uh, went to med school, uh, I thought for sure I was not going to be a surgeon. And I remember starting my surgery rotation saying, I am absolutely not going to be a surgeon. I just want to get through these eight weeks and everything. And then the more I did it, the more I just, I was really drawn to it. You know, the ability to um, interact and intervene on somebody and, and do something that can fix them right then and there. And it's not um, something where they're getting a medication and you have to see if it works. And sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. This is the ability to really intervene right then and there with your hands, be able to do something and, and fix people or potentially cure people and that really just hit home with me and um from a thoracic standpoint it was uh you know during my training I, I was able to scrub in on a few cases early on in my first year and it really just there's something about it that gravitated uh, me towards it working in the chest and everything and um as i'm sure most people can attest to they they have some family members or close friends with who've experienced lung cancer and and uh, you know my grandfather and my mother both uh suffered from lung cancer and so that really kind of hit home with me to be able to kind of try and help cure it or you know eradicate what we can wow interesting well thank you so much for your time I appreciate well thank you here. for uh thank you for having me amber i really appreciate it my guest has been dr mark cry a thoracic surgeon at upstate i'm amber smith for upstate's podcast and talk show health link on air